Hi. If you like this podcast or any other podcast on the DuckFeed.tv network, please consider donating to the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeed.tv. A couple of dollars a month will get you access to the incredibly awesome Slack channel where you can talk to other DuckFeed fans. A couple more dollars gets you access to shows um, early. It'll get you some cool postcards in the mail. And it also goes a long way to supporting the network and making sure that we can continue to put out quality podcasts that you have come to know and love. Thanks and enjoy this episode. Pan Air Flight 917 now arriving. I can't wait to get down to the beach. Wild man of Borneo, wild man of Borneo, wild man of Borneo, 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 Borneo. Welcome to Days of Future Cast. My name is Jeremy Greer. I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is the show where we talk about the 90s X-Men animated series. Previously on X-Men. We talked about, um, we were introduced to the X-Men. Mm-hmm. We were introduced to their foe, which is basically the U.S. government. U.S. Right. government, a little bit of Magneto. Magneto to it, a little bit. The Sentinels. Um, Laid out the uh, the themes we got exa- going on. We got exactly. the government trying to control mutants. We got Magneto trying to control the government. <laughs> and then we <laughs> then we got Wolverine trying to control Jean Grey. So pretty much the standard X-Men plot for the last about 40, yes. 50 years. It's, it's a very X-Men. complicated rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> like, where Magneto beats government, government beats X Men, and Ant Man beats the Wasp. Oh, that's, damn! That's, my, uh, that's, that's cold, that's, man. That's, that's cold. It's cold. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that that happened. Um, <clears throat> Morph died. Yes, that, and that will have no bearing on future plot. I'm sure. No. The uh, <laughs> one of the things that's impressive about watching this show again is how much how many of the seeds are planted for this stuff. So like, uh, not just that, but the, the big thing, the, the whole Wolverine, uh, you know, kind of being into Jean gray pays off in this episode. And there are, there's still little ties. Like they're setting up a lot of stuff that's going to continue throughout the season. This, this first season I think is pretty good as, as far as one giant story with lots of connective tissue. And you know, um, I was, as I was watching some of the episodes, cause I like the, the, the day that we record this, I try to binge watch all four episodes. Um, <clears throat> so they're all fresh in my mind. And, uh, the animation is actually kind of good in some of the stuff. Like there were some scenes where storm is flying at some warlocks, like casting lightning or whatever. And I was kind of into it. Like, and that same, and we'll get to it, but there's a scene, there's some really cool, like lighting and shadowing stuff happening in here. Like I, this show is kind of impressing me more than it even did when I was 13, which I think is super impressive. <laughs> I don't like for, for me, there's not one episode where it, every shot is, is there's not like an embarrassing shot. You know, it, it's a, there's at least some kind of animated thing where something will be like too small. There'll be some kind of perspective thing or something like that. So it's none of it's perfect, but there are more effects and it is better than, than I remember the other thing. And this is something that I think is actually good throughout the series and i think we touched on a little bit last episode but this next set of episodes continue to impress me is the sound design in the show is really excellent like the the powers sound the way i want them to um and uh the you know the sound design is actually pretty good i think yeah when when cyclops hits somebody with his 
concussive blast or laser beams, whatever you want to call them. It, it sounds exactly like what I would have expected it to sound yeah. like in the comic book. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but like all of the comic book noises <laughs> come to life. Like so, it's not, it's not just Wolverine snicked either. Like it's everything. Jubilee's powers sound good. And I never yeah. even thought Jubilee's powers sounded at all. So I don't know how that no, works. No, no, it, it works really perfectly. And, and I love the idea of it filling in the sound for the visual representation of the energy of optics. <laughs> Like it is, it's like four four degrees removed from anything that makes sense because comics. This is especially uh, true with Jean Grey. Anytime Jean Grey does anything, like it's blue, like you know, telekinetic yeah. laser stuff that also sounds real cool. Like it's really yeah. ridiculous. She also buys her hats from the same place that Gambit does. Yes, they do. Yeah, the the reverse uh, back hat. Um, what is what is that hat? I don't know. You, you can't you can't buy it. You have to go to it. You have to order it. Maybe uh, um, if this if this podcast ever goes to episode one hundred, maybe some um, intrepid artist will draw you and I with the mask like that. We'll have, we'll have to go to, to Etsy and get Abs- custom absolutely custom made, custom made <laughs> professional <laughs> photographs made. Who are those two dickheads? Like, <laughs> what are those assholes wearing? We'll go to the um, Sears Photography Center and get professional sit down <laughs> portraits yeah. done. Hey, Moni Amy's. <laughs> uh, so as as per every episode, or not every episode, but most episodes, we're going to be talking about four. Four episodes of the cartoon. Um, in the middle, we're going to do an X Men spotlight, and uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's get started here with uh, episode uh, XM one hundred five, Captive Hearts. Original air date January thirtieth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, in this episode, Jean Grey and Cyclops are captured by Morlocks while on a night out on the town. Now Storm and the rest of the X Men must locate and rescue the two mutants before it is too late. But when the X Men are cornered, Storm must challenge Callisto to one on one combat for leadership of the Morlocks to free her friends. And this is a this is a plot pulled directly from the comic books. Like this is Absolutely. like you can pull this. You can go back to Uncanny X Men. I don't remember exactly which issues because I'm not that much of a nerd. But you can go back and basically read this entire episode and three or four issues of of, of Uncanny X Men with just a couple minor differences. Um, and this is going to set up those seeds. Like these guys are going to be important. Not only does this uh, pave the way for my favorite cartoon of all time, though we wish you a more lock Christmas, the Table Boy. <laughs> but this also uh, sets up a lot of a lot of like things that are work in the comics that I think are goofier in the show, and and we'll talk about it. Like a lot of these Morlocks don't really seem like they need to be Morlocks. Um, like one of them's <laughs> deformity is that she's an old lady. <laughs> yeah, and she's an old lady that can put people to sleep. Hey, guess what? That's my grandma. Yeah, yeah my grandma was real good at putting people to sleep. <laughs> yeah, all old ladies are going to cover you with scorpions. It's just how it works. Yeah, <laughs> you have yeah, to live in the sewer. Uh, have, have you not read a grim fairy tale in the last twenty years? This is how yeah. everything worked. Um, yeah, that's how they that's how they Hansel Gretel you. But we talked briefly last episode of um, <clears throat> these kind of moments in between, like you know, going out to save the world. And as is going to be common on this show, um, the we start out in the danger room, like that. The yeah. X Men are training. And we get kind of a, a whole montage scene. And there, there's something I want to bring up right here because uh, you don't see Storm use the power of snow very often. Mm. And I don't know why this never occurred to me, this ever occurred to me before, but like she ices down like a laser gun or something. Can she just be Iceman if she wants to be? Like, do you think she just backs off and let Iceman do his thing? Because it's uh, I think she's like slow Iceman. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, because one, well, two things. Like one, I can imagine her not using that very often because she's from Africa. Like maybe she just didn't get a lot of snow. Um, it just doesn't occur to her to do it. So maybe, uh, maybe that's part of it. But also, um, I think that if, if it were, if it were realistic, um, it would take too long to, to freeze something. 
So Storm's powers are in the in the cartoon are really just kind of do what they need to do. Um, you know, I, I remember there definitely being parts in the comic where like she has to like, you know, she brings in a, a storm to do something, and uh, it can take a little bit of time. You know, I think Iceman's whole thing is that it's instant. And then that's not even getting into the weird shit with Iceman, how he's like technically an Omega level mutant and can reconfigure molecules and shit like that. Like Iceman is one of the, is like one of the most powerful X Men. He's like in the top three. And, uh, the, you know, but this is, this is all before that. So, and, and I don't think Storm is in there. If, and th- this is getting into way dorky, like, trading card <laughs> shit. Like, this is, this is how far the bars go to the right on the back of the trading card. But, like, the people who I care lo- about this shit. I love shit, those bars. I love those bars, though. <laughs> I like stats. I really like stats. Um, yeah, but yeah, she, she ices up some guns. Yeah, she messes up some guns, but more importantly, she's the leader. Um, she's kind of calling the shot. Cyclops is up in the danger room control area with the yep. Savior, and it's just the rest of the team. And, and Storm is set, is setting herself up as the leader. She's the one calling all the shots and telling everybody to do this and do that. Um, this well, the, the other really important thing in the scene is we're getting another kind of glimpse of her claustrophobia yeah. as uh, as the walls start coming coming down to, to crush them. How goddamn expensive is the is the danger room? I think this is before they reveal that it's all Shi'ar hard light technology. So you just think they're just blowing up. There's like one where, uh, like, Gambit, take out the targeting cameras. That's like, oh, you mean the cameras that show us what's happening in the room? <laughs> blow them up. You know? Yeah, blow those guys up. I've got 10 yeah. more in the back because I'm Professor Xavier. And this is what yeah. I do with my life. <laughs> yeah. His Amazon uh, suggested purchases are just fucking out of nowhere. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, this 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 whole thing is pretty funny. But um, after after this, we get a, a little a little thing between uh, Scott and Jean Grey. They decide to go on a date because mm-hmm. they're ostensibly a couple, even though it hasn't really been explored up to this point. They've just been kind of there's been kind of like they a couple of kisses here and there, but more more it's just been they've been working full time. Yeah. So this it, is them it, it, being able to get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and of course, because it's the X Men, nobody can go on like it's a, a, just a normal. You know, evening time activity. Like Scott Summers has never been to a concert that of the supervillain hasn't stopped. It, you know, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> he's he's got he's he's a cursed boy. Um, and and this is where we get uh, Leech, who uh, is not Leech, like uh, who as he is in the the comics. Where like so so they're out, you know, having having this uh, this talk. Is that the was it's not Leech who actually. Who's the little kid that they run into out on the streets? It is Leech, and which I it was really Leech. I was really confused about at first because can he Leech just do use... anything? Yeah, so, because we see him here, like he telekinetically lifts some apples, and then when he gets called out for it, he like moves some people around. He is but... a more powerful telekinesis user than Jean Grey <laughs> in the cartoon. <laughs> like he's he's Phoenix Force level, like telekinetics. It's fucking and, weird, and he looks like he's like ten. Man, <laughs> he has n- yeah. no training whatsoever. Where he's supposed to just be able to like dampen people's powers and stuff, which uh, reminds me: Have you ever read the um, like the Usenet X Men fact? Um, no, like the early, early days no. of X Men. Um, it is it is a fun read and uh, is online. And one of the things I like about it is one of the frequently asked questions, like the moderator of that, is uh, how come uh, Gambit and Rogue don't use Leech so they can touch each other and have sex? And and the person <laughs> just like, oh yeah, they should just totally use that ten year old boy as like a power condom, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Leech, come here! I don't wanna come yeah, here, no, goddamn no, no. it! <laughs> just, just here, play Game Boy and, and concentrate on us not being able to absorb each other's powers and uh, 
you know, Gross. Keep, keep the head and Leech is just like dun 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 just with the headphones just jammed as high as possible. Just that volume just cranked up. We tap you when we done. Yeah, because you know Gambit in that awful accent definitely has some weird sex stuff with him. That was his idea. Rogue probably had to talk him talk him down from actually including Leech in their yeah, relationships. Yeah, like, there's enough Gambit to go around, okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, put on a goddamn shirt. I don't know what that is, but it's not a shirt. Um, Gambit, stop charging up the ball gag. I told you, I don't want it to blow in my mouth. <laughs> the uh, so so this Leech Leech Gambit, uh, not not the Leech Gambit shipping that I'm doing, but the actual. Uh, you know, ploy. Um, so the leech going up there and getting into trouble was actually just to lure um, Jean Grey and Cyclops down into the sewer, where they run into a bunch of Morlocks, um, and uh, including like so, you know, old, old Greaseface, like sli- Slime Boy, and uh, and Strong Guy. Uh, yeah, the, the power set here is kind of weird. Like there is like one person who's literally just putting grease in a like a in the shape of a wall. Like I don't know what even, I don't even know what you call that. Like what what is yeah. her superpower name? Well, the weird thing is there's a guy with the same kind of power more or less with super long arms that shows up later. <laughs> uh, when we get introduced to a, a gorgeous George of the Nasty Boys, <laughs> the greatest of all the X Men villain teams. <laughs> um, uh, but then and then you're also just the random like whenever the artist has to just draw random background warlocks, it's pretty great. And they're just like, oh, it's alligator face. Yeah, it's got an alligator for a face. There's one with a giant beak in this episode that's never yeah. explained. It's just shown one time, and that's it's it. <laughs> it's and there's straight up an horrible. X-Men character named Beak, and this is not that. Yeah, this is character. totally not that. <laughs> it's super weird. Um, so they, they, they've trapped them down there and, and put them to sleep uh, uh, down there. The, uh, the grandma. Grandma puts them to sleep, and that was part of their thing. Cut to uh, Wolverine, who is had it with his shit. <laughs> he's and, done, man. He's so yeah. fucking done with this. And and it just has to do with this this unrequited love with him and Jean Grey. Um so and I don't think they like out of all like the big uh couples in X Men, I don't think that ever got a chance to like breathe. Is there ever like a run where Jean Grey and Wolverine are together? I think I remember as a kid reading like a couple of issues, but then it turned out to be all on somebody's head. So it was just one of those like bait and switch things that they like to do with the X-Men. So I don't, I don't think that there was ever a time where they went on a date or like had any kind of time together. I think it was all like this unrequited will they, won't they kind of thing. It'd be kind of interesting, like an interesting dynamic to explore. Like you can't just do the, it'll never work between us forever. You know, Um, like she kind of hits on him in the Grant Morrison run. And then Mm -hmm. I know um, in the ultimate comics, he, uh, he's a couple with storm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, uh, here, you know, it, it's not the case. So he's, he's too frustrated and he takes off. He, he, he rips up this painting and gets the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. He, he takes the picture and like uses one claw to like gouge out Cyclops chest. So like definitely yes. has, has some issues. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we, we get back to the sewer where we meet Callisto, who is another person who's like, I, I've had bartenders that look like that. Like, you don't need to live in the sewer, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, okay. you live in New York. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah you, you like you like Callisto's deformity, quote unquote, is that she's kind of butch. Like, it is not uh, anything. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that she's the leader, so she's taking care of all the freaks. But like, I would say roughly half of the Morlocks just look like they could pass for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're just like one, like, I don't know, um, they look like somebody you would see in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Like, just kind of yeah. run down, <laughs> kind of yeah. on, on their last legs, but trying to make it right. Like, good people, salt-of-the-earth people. Like, not people that should be shunned to the subways. Like, they look homeless, sure. Yeah, we, absolutely. But we, we, we allow homeless people above ground. 
<laughs> I mean, in some cities they do. Not all of them. Some cities yeah. do. That's where the Morlocks got their name. Um, the, uh, and, and Callisto lays out the plot here, which is pretty gross. Yeah, she decides that Cyclops is going to be her husband and also mate because I guess she's looking for someone to provide her an heir and has seen... An heir to what? Yeah, like, to the someone. What are you talking about, <laughs> But I like how she has these VHS tapes of uh, Cyclops taking down a Sentinel, which you would think... She got them from Pizza Hut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got my large pizza. I got my my husband tapes. <laughs> my, my copy of Night of the Sentinels because Callisto's involved in Book It. Um, but like, what an heir to to like just like the the person who hangs out in the sewer with normal people for the most part. Like that does that's not a elect. I mean, I mean, I guess it's not an elected position, but it's definitely not a hereditary position either. It's not a position. I, I, I mean, do you think they have bylaws? Like, do you think they're like <laughs> sitting around like, okay, we have to take the minutes of the Morlock meeting? <laughs> oh, boy, would that be torturous. <laughs> I just, oh, has emotion. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Everybody stand and stand. I pledge the allegiance. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she's essentially going to, like, force Cyclops to be her, her husband. Um, this is, uh, I think in the original version or later, there's an inversion of this with Callisto who steals a shadow cat in the comics, um, might be what this is based on. Um, but regardless of which Jean breaks free because she's Jean Grey. So they have all these tapes of Jean Grey doing Jean Grey shit and they don't realize that you can't actually just chain her to the ceiling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is just the, oh, it's just the worst. Yeah, I, lo- I love their plan on, on like every single time something comes up, like Jean Grey is just on the ceiling in a chain, and I'm like, are you, I mean, like you you yeah. have VHS tapes of Cyclops? Do you not do any more research than that? Yeah, it is. It is, uh, and and also you don't have Leech covering her. Like Leech is stopping Cyclops from using his beams, but um, so she she reaches out to Xavier, and there's this weird suggestion that like uh, her she like it gets cut off, you know, like because she gets knocked out, but that shouldn't stop Xavier unless it's because they're underground, in which case like. Xavier is not nearly as strong a telepath as I think. And conveniently, Cerebro, nowhere to be found this, this episode. Yeah, <laughs> decide not to do it. So, so the X-Men head into the, into the sewer, into the yeah, subway. Xavier just tell him, tells them, this is as close as I can get. And literally, there's a smash cut to them walking into a subway entrance. And I'm like, so they got like, <laughs> he told them it, they were on the B train, and but that was it? It was somewhere yeah. on the B train? <laughs> what are you? Uh, Fucking Cerebro, man. Just inconsistent results. That's my problem, is inconsistency. <clears throat> Yeah, Cerebro makes, makes no sense. Um, and the X-Men uh, get their asses handed to them, because that's what happens when the X-Men fight an unfamiliar foe every single time. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, fight scenes, though, primarily because of Combat Grandma and her interaction with Wolverine, because <laughs> she gets into Wolverine's head. And this is something that me and my friend Derek, who I've talked about on Watch Out Fireballs, who's my, you know, my best buddy growing up, um, quote all the time, where she's like, He's like, oh, lady, and he's going to stab this grandma. And she says, uh, but you're covered with scorpions, <laughs> covered with scorpions. And then Wolverine goes, uh, I'm covered with scorpions. But <laughs> he just repeats it back, and it's like very funny to me. Um, it's also, so good. Why do you give a shit? Like, <laughs> like you did- Covered with scorpions. Covered with scorpions. No. Covered, covered with scorpions. Get them off me. What are you doing to my head? You have a mutant healing power. I mean, like, I would go out and get stung by scorpions just because I know they won't kill me. Like, why not? <laughs> maybe it feels good. I've never tried it. I, maybe it gets me high, man. I'm <laughs> desperate over here. Heroin lasts 37 seconds in my system. I've timed it. I need something strong. <laughs> I need the, the, the high that can be brought by 40 scorpions. 
uh, crawling on my my combat suit simultaneously. Oh my god! Um, yeah, <laughs> so bad. Um, so this is where after some back and forth, um, Callisto shows up and is like, "Fine, here, look, we killed your leader. We killed Cyclops. Here, here he is. Like you guys, yep. we're going to give Get you safe passage. Yeah, we're, you, you guys leave. Take your dead body with you, and we're you know no, don't come knocking again." Which, of course, does not work, because Wolverine immediately senses that something's going wrong and goes to stab the dead body, mm-hmm. which it turns out to, 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 to totally not be Cyclops. Some shapeshifter Morlock who... I know there is a shapeshifting Morlock, but, like, dude, you're a shapeshifter. Go pretend to be somebody beautiful if this is, your, if this is what you're hung up on. Like, I wouldn't... I love you for you, man, but, like, go what? pretend to be a model. <laughs> 100%. What are, like, Mystique doesn't doing? walk around in her, like, blue scaly form. You know, she, she doesn't need to. The, uh, yeah, the Morlocks have no reason to live in a sewer. Uh, and this is, we haven't even talked about the fact that these guys just eat and sleep in shit, which is a big problem I have with the Morlocks in general, which we underlined when the, when the X-Men decide to have their Christmas dinner down there covered in shit. Um, and next season, I think. Um, so then, then we get into another, uh, another fight scene here. And uh, we're introduced to a character, again, like, I love these seeds that are getting planted, though, because we're introduced to uh, uh, Pestilence here. Like, yes, yes, A thousand absolutely. episodes before before she becomes, you know, becomes, a, a, like, a, a featured player. Because uh, she's, she's an old lady who can make people sick, and she gives Gambit the plague. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Gambit gets the plague, and he's basically out for the rest of the episode. Like, we don't, yeah. we don't, he never comes back. Uh, in fact, I don't even know where he is. Like, does somebody stay with him, or do they just, like, okay, Gambit's got the plague, he's going to stay over there now. <laughs> like, get they, out of our put, way. They put him on a leaf on a river of shit and just, like, send him downstream. <laughs> He's playing Moses. Yeah, he he washes up uh, uh, like the sewer gate outside of like Jersey, and yeah. then they have to go get him. It's like um in uh, being John Malkovich. Like, they all <laughs> just have to go drive and pick him up. <laughs> oh God, being Gambit would be a hilarious movie in that same format. Oh boy, just just people would pay not to be put behind his eyes. <laughs> Please don't make me go him. back. Like it would <laughs> just be like the thirstiest boy. Ugh, God. Um. Oh. So Wolverine tracks down the real Cyclops and has this moment of inner monologue. In fact, actually, I think he might be speaking out loud at this point where he's like, you know, I could totally kill you right now and I could make some people sad, but I don't want to see Gene cry. And I'm like, this is the only thing preventing you from murdering your teammate? Like, that's it? Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's in a rough spot, man. He's been friend-zoned a few too many times. Um the, uh, and the, the cool thing is, like, they, they can clearly win the fight, you know, but it's it's going to keep happening, you know, like, this is going to be a thing. So this is when Storm steps up and, and is badass and uh, challenges Callisto uh, to a duel with the double lightsabers from the Memphis. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand this at all. And, and in the comic books, <laughs> number one, where, earlier in the episode, Wolverine clearly, like, cut Callisto's, excuse me, cut Callisto's lightsaber in half. So mm-hmm. w- what happened to that? Now it's all back together again. But where did Storm pull out this lightsaber thing? And why? Why does she use it all the time? It seems like it, if you're, <laughs> it's made of weather. Um. <laughs> it's made of weather. But but Callista uh, Callista specifically says like you know if you use any of your mutant powers during this duel like you'll you're, you're gonna lose all yeah. your honor or whatever. Which like whatever. Who the fuck cares? Like I you, just you, met you. Yeah. yeah, you live in a subway. I don't give a shit about your honor. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of honor is here when people literally flush toilets upon you? Get a mortgage, um, get into some debt, then I might have some respect for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they get in the fight, and, and Storm wins because Storm is—it's uh, never shown in the cartoon. Like this never comes up again that Storm is really good at hand-to-hand combat. 
Um, like she's in the comic, but the, the cartoon just makes her fly around and shoot weather at people. Um, but and she I wins, did- so she's now the leader of the Morlocks. Yes, and then promptly invites them, like, hey, come, come live in Xavier's mansion with us. Which, number one, is I'm not much of a fan of how Xavier comports himself during this series, but, like, you kind of have to ask that dude if he can bring a bunch <laughs> of shit-covered subway people to his house. <laughs> you got to just check with him. A simple text is going to prevent a lot of unnecessary talking later. <laughs> I got some friends. Is this cool? Like, oh, yeah, sure. And then sure. just, like, slime boy walks in. <laughs> Table lad scoots on in. The, um... Yeah, and then they decline uh, because they say it's like an honor thing. Like, until mutants are accepted, we must live here, um, which I don't really understand. Uh, Callisto is placed as an honorary leader. And uh, Psych and Jean finally get to uh, to touch some tongue, which they've been waiting waiting for. And this is the final straw for Wolverine. Like, he's made Jean happy, but at what cost? And he's going to go off and do a really bonkers solo episode. <laughs> yes, which I am so glad we're getting into right now in episode yeah. six. <laughs> Yes. Because wow, Gary, this is my episode. This thing is crazy. Do you want to bring is, us in with the uh, yeah, this, description? Yeah, this is a uh, uh, XM one hundred six Cold Vengeance original air date, February sixth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, Wolverine flees to Canada to seek solitude in the Canadian wilderness. Uh, he finds peace among a group of uh, Baffin Island Inuit, only to discover that Sabretooth has been stalking him and has taken the people of the village captive and plans to kill them all. Uh, I totally forgot this episode existed. Um, and typically in the cartoon or even in the comics, like Wolverine solo things are not my favorite. Um, but this is amazing. Like this, 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 this whole is super thing good. is just hilarious to me. Number one, it starts out like we open on Wolverine skiing just in the middle like, of nowhere. He's just yeah. got a set of skis. He's like cross country skiing. He's yeah. He's not skiing like down a hill like James Bond. No, he's cross country <laughs> skiing, which is like the dorkiest sport. Like you can't look cool cross country skiing. <laughs> no, um, and all. then a noted master of explosives, Sabretooth, <laughs> has put a bomb on this ice bridge. Can you imagine like Sabretooth like using his like gigantic meat hands and his thousand ab, you know, and just like setting up a complicated explosive device? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine him like that. Immediately gives me like some um, like IKEA flashbacks. So like he's got the IKEA instructions for the bomb. It's like why don't they just put it in English? <laughs> if there's a green wire, just color the wire green. Don't write green on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and- Oh shit! So he blows him up and 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 then throws blows up this bridge and throws him into like a gigantic body of water, uh, and we start getting confused as to where exactly we're at. Um, we think it's Canada, but they say uh, Sabretooth says you won't survive on its island in the Arctic, uh, which which long. makes no sense. Like I don't know, but I, I'm assuming that's just like any time like a cartoon writer is just has to see cold and ice, like they just assume that's going to be in Alaska, so. Yeah, and this may be in my ignorance as well, but like this Baffin Island Inuit—is that a real thing? Are those real people? Because if so, like they probably weren't represented well in 1993 on this X-Men animated series. My my guess is that uh, if it was a real thing, this is our terrible representation, especially at the end where they're like, "This best fish harvest since big ships come <laughs> yeah. and take the oh, big fish." Like so oh. bad, <laughs> and then yeah, everything with this this tribe is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but where there's a subplot we have to deal with too, which is another thing that's kind of impressive about this cartoon is it's setting up the next episode. Okay, well, because Gambit is uh, kind of fighting with Cyclops because he knows somebody who knows about this, this paradise called Genosha. 
And he's like, I say go check it out. He gets so mad. You know? Um, and I hate Zebra that you do a better Cajun out. voice than I do. I live in South Louisiana. <laughs> I'm in the, I'm in Acadiana right now as we speak. <laughs> I've been thinking about Gambit for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> so... So yeah, he wants Gambit wants to go check out Genosha, which is apparently like this mutant paradise. Um, and and for whatever reason, Cyclops is real mad about it. I don't, I don't he's even understand. Wolverine earlier too, he's like, you don't ditch your friends, and it's like, what is, is, is he drawing a paycheck? Like, what has he done wrong? Like, what what are you? This is a loose affiliation at best. Why do you get to control how people spend their free time? Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley, but there's a moment at Silicon Valley where the the dude who's like the CEO of the organization they're trying to start goes, goes outside, and um, the kid from Freaks and Geeks is out there smoking pot, and he's like, okay, "Shouldn't you be there working?" He's like, I, "I live here. This is my I'm off work. Not just happen yeah. to live here. <laughs> this is my yeah. off time." <laughs> and that's how yeah. I gotta feel like Scott or yeah Scott Summers is like anytime he sees somebody not doing something, it's like, "Shouldn't you be in the Danger Room, Jubilee?" And Jubilee's like, "Motherfucker, I'm just trying to watch real TV." <laughs> <laughs> Trying to watch some music videos over here. Uh, um, so so uh, Xavier says, you know, maybe you guys could use a, a vacation because he notices that Cyclops is being a dick and stressing everyone out. <laughs> um, essentially, just getting him away from Cyclops is my, my feeling. Um, so sends, uh, uh, he says, you know, Storm, you go and, and take two X-Men with you. And he takes uh, Gambit and Jubilee um, and sends them as tourists. Uh, there, which apparently like Gambit was already gone when he says that because Gambit never changes his clothes, um, and he Gambit's tourist outfit is the exact same thing as his Sentinel fighting outfit. He's at the airport in purple and black <laughs> with the trench it. coat, man, and that and the I, dumb helmet we mentioned earlier. It's insane. I love it. I love it so much. They, they, it, it, is, it is so good. And, um, and Storm's in like a little jumper, and Jubilee. I don't know what she's wearing. It's it's ridiculous. Whatever well, it is, like that it's, could just be it's team something fashion. that. A, but it's something like a 45-year-old cartoonist version of a teen fashion is. Um, but so, so Wolverine, uh, back, coming back to Wolverine, Wolverine gets caught by, uh, or caught by, found by Eskimos. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, I, I heal fast. I, I'm going to do some work. Uh, which leads to one of my all-time favorite scenes in anything here. When he goes on this fishing boat. And there's a local guy, like B-Boy, because uh, he's got a hat with a B on it. Um, which I can only assume stands for Baffin Island. Um, and he's like, you know, I'll teach you how to fish. And Wolverine just like is just like the great white hope teaching these native people. He does the, every one of their traditions a thousand times better than they do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, in a really troubling way. He just like, uh, like the one guy is like, whoa, and drops the net. And then Wolverine throws the fish out and thing perfectly catches a thousand goddamn fish in one pole and he's laughing at the the other inuit guy and i swear to god jeremy some of the fish are smiling with him <laughs> i'm not kidding like you can <laughs> i watched it again before we started recording there's one fish that has like a real shit-eating grin like glad i wasn't caught by that guy over there <laughs> <laughs> this guy what a piece of shit that guy is for not me to want to catch me with that net <laughs> yeah, it's so good the fish the expression on these fish face is off the chain like i'm not kidding it's so good and then wolverine is just being super cruel just like ha, ha, ha. sounds like the one who got away yep. and it's Wo- like why are you being so mean to this guy <laughs> wolverine is just having the time of his life just like <laughs> completely shitting all over this dude like and like getting everybody on his side too like with, uh, when they come back with the fish, um, Wolverine like throws the baskets of fish up on his shoulders and walks away. And then this local dude comes up, the same guy that's been being made fun of for a while. Yeah, B boy, 
B-Boy drops the fish, slips everywhere, and falls down, and then that's everybody so, laughs. That's so good. <laughs> why is that? Why is this mean thing happening to that guy? It makes no sense in the plot. Like we weren't like shown to not like him. He's not getting his comeuppance. He's just a guy. He's no different than any of these other Inuit. Like it's incredible. Wolverine just targeted, and the plot just targeted this guy to be the whipping boy in five so good. in five years the documentary bowling for baffin island is going to come out and they're gonna <laughs> <laughs> this is where it all turned this was the turning point um the uh well luckily he he gets his redemption here but it's it just makes it weirder because he there's no reason for him to need it um the, the chief who has a very offensive like you know well, spirits are angry kind of voice uh you know says like the people are happy we should celebrate and they're they're throwing people up on a blanket like they do in movies, you know. Like uh, I don't know if you ever had one of these blanket parties. Um, <laughs> but I'm, blanket party to me is like um, the few the, the few good men blanket parties, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally different thing than what I just saw on this TV show. <laughs> um, here's the here's the thing though, Wolverine is like two thousand pounds. Yeah, like, he's 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 like a horse. He has metal bones, or he has metal, co- I guess, metal coated bones. But it's like the heaviest material on earth. Yeah, he's it so doesn't dense. make any sense. <laughs> but they still they still throw him up, and he's just having the best time in the world. Oh man, and it's he does this good. weird howl laugh thing. Come, Wolverine, it's your turn to celebrate. Oh no, no, you you got the wrong guy. I get airsick. We all need to forget ourselves and be a child again. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. Whoa! Hey, watch it! Come on now! Um, so, so, so B-Boy runs off because he just can't handle this because who could blame him? Like, what court would convict him at this point for anything he does? Um, runs off and Sabretooth runs into him and he's like, you, you know, you smell like my enemy. I'm going to kill you because Sabretooth is a sociopath. And, uh, and he's like, no, no, I'm not a friend with him. And he's like, well, here, you need vengeance. You're going to be my henchboy. Um, so he, uh, and and literally he's being manipulated by Sabretooth. Sabretooth just wants to get Wolverine away from the village. Do you think that like Wolf, like Sabretooth has ever gone into a Burger King and it's like, huh, this smells like Wolverine a little bit and just murdered everybody in there? What kind of lifestyle does this guy leave that he just follows the people around and murders people that smell like something? It is. <laughs> it's uh, the uh, the thing about Sabretooth is it's not like he's really well developed in the comics or anything, uh, but co- but cartoon Sabretooth is an an amazing like single per- like single issue voter. <laughs> like there's like one thing that like cartoon <laughs> Sabretooth cares about, um, and it's like every other thing that's simplified in the show. Like you could point to the comics and be like, "Oh, this is actually a little bit more nuanced." Not really with Sabretooth. Like he's even a good guy for a little while, but it never makes sense. Like he's just he's just angry boy. Um, oh. Anyway, so bad, so bad. So yeah, he um. So he sends B-Boy to challenge Wolverine to go fishing or something. And, like, even the elder of the camp is like, hey, yo, B-Boy, your jealousy is getting a little out of hand. Like, we're, we've all had this conversation about you behind your back, which never helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, we caught more. We caught enough, like, six fish for every person yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, we're having a um, luau because <laughs> we're, yeah. we're in Hawaii now. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> so, so, yes, Wolverine and uh, B-Boy go out to sea and sure enough Sabretooth comes in and captures all of the villagers and burns down the village in the space of about 
I mean, three and a half, four minutes? Like, they can't have been gone that long. Mm. <laughs> Sabretooth's really working, putting his nose to the grindstone on this one. He's a hard worker. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I like about uh, this, though, is it sets up this pattern of, like, Sabretooth not being able to fight Wolverine directly. So going after what he loves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, he's, and that's, that's a theme that shows up in the comics, too. Like, listen, I can't, you can best me in a fight, but because I hate you so much, everyone and everything you care about will be destroyed. You know, and like that's actually like a thing I kind of like about, you know, Wolverine's dynamic or Wolverine's setup or whatever. Yeah, because he can't he can't help himself. Like he can't yeah. help because he always he's always taken in, you know, Wolverine's home for wayward girls and all that stuff. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he's, he can't help himself but love people, and that's like the core to that dude. Core to that dude, and even though he's way way overplayed and. I mean, I tried reading the death of Wolverine stuff from a couple of years mm-hmm. ago because it's on uh, Marvel Unlimited now, and I couldn't get more than like two or three issues into that. Like he's making out with the character Death at one point, and I'm like, okay, no, I got a, I got a, I got a jet. I, I, uh, <laughs> I haven't read it, but I, I was reading about it, and I saw the the final panel when he gets coated with adamantium. Like that character, that <laughs> oh, design wow. is amazing. What an undignified end for a character. Where he just looks like this, he like a like a special effect. Like he looks like a slime color covered uh monster does, does he end up looking like han solo in the uh carbonite I, or whatever not not nearly that good like it's <laughs> oh, wow. way, okay. way goopier like goopier. it is the goopiest end for 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 the grizzliest boy like <laughs> the goopiest end to the grizzliest boy <laughs> um, the uh so Sabretooth uh has taken all of the villagers and tied them to a bridge uh with some of his patented Sabretooth style high-tech <laughs> explosives <laughs> <laughs> Sabretooth got bombed with one color wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he says, you know, you can, you can, they're going to blow up in a minute. Um, if you can get through me, you can save them. And, uh, they could, they do a fight. And this is, yeah. this is, this is pretty basic. Like at one point, um, I think the highlight of this is that at one point, well, Sabretooth picks up some snow and throws it at Wolverine, and it gets into his eyes, and I guess nothing mm-hmm. has ever been in Wolverine's eyes before, because he just freaks out, immediately <laughs> sheathes claws, and is like, oh, my eyes, I can't, oh, oh, it's my eyes! It's like that, it's like he got hit in the funny bone for the first time when he was 27 years old, he's like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? This is, this is one weak point. Um, the uh, But eventually, you know, he, he tricks Sabretooth into falling off a cliff, and we can only assume that he's going to wash up and another Inuit village is going to rescue him. <laughs> yeah. um, but until, until that happens, uh, they save the people on the bridge. And B-Boy helped out because that's his redemption arc. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, then the, the village elder is like, he's like, Wolverine's like, I'm sorry I got your city destroyed. He's like, well, several of us wanted to give up the old ways anyway and move to move to civilization. Yeah. Bye. Th- th- um, because, thanks, because white man. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for teaching us the ways by destroying our, our way of life. Uh, <laughs> can you ask my grandfather if he still loves me since you can communicate with our elders better, more than we can? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is unreasonable. Uh, but we, so we go back to B plot though, cause it's going to set up, it's going to transition directly into the next episode, which is another favorite actually. Um, because, uh, you know, they're there in the, the hotel, um, it's like a, a reggae thing. The hotel dude is like, or Gambit picks up a card. He's like, "Hey, ten percent mutant discount." <laughs> <laughs> what? Fucking cheap ass Cajuns, man. And I can say that I'm from here. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not racist when I live here. <laughs> when, when you when you find out what Genosha is doing and why it's attracting mutants, the fact that they're doing it through a ten percent mutant discount at their hotel becomes amazing. Oh yeah, like, I mean, is, and ten percent. What is what is tax in Genosha? Twelve percent? Like you're not even. <laughs> <laughs> Silly plan, like uh, 
So, so the uh, the hotel dude, though, you, we know something's up because the hotel guy's like, uh, "Yeah, we can, we have a hotel for you," and he pulls up his VHS tape of previous footage of the X Men. He and, had to have got it at the Pizza Hut Genosha, right? Like, like yeah, it's the exactly. same footage as Callisto had last episode. Like, is this yep. stuff just being spread around to the Pizza Huts across the world? One hundred percent. They get all their ingredients and all their promotional things from the same place. Uh, so, so they they go into a hotel and they get uh, trapped because this hotel or this like bungalow they're in, the metal walls come down on the side to trap them, and gas starts filling the hotel, which is like again a very expensive proposition. Um, and uh, I the, yeah, for uh, for the first time I was like, use your powers, you idiots, and they actually do um, to get out onto the lawn and get confronted confronted by like. A real hodgepodge of, and that's no pun intended, of uh, uh, like mechanical <laughs> villains and 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 randos with guns and stuff. Yeah, like there's there's like I couldn't. They're not. They're specifically not sentinels, right? Like they're just like these random like robots. But like at one point, like they hit the robot, and then like the robot holds its head a little bit, like it's hurt. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> is there a, is there a dude inside the robot that you're? Why hurting? do they program me to feel pain? Yeah, exactly. Um, what is going they, on? <clears throat> They're for all intents and purposes Sentinels, though, um, which is really strange. And then these like cool hover bikes and stuff, and uh, they end up getting captured, and it leads directly into uh, the third episode we're covering today. But before we get into that, we're gonna do a little character spotlight. Let's talk about Storm. Let's talk about Storm, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's what your you, uh, what's, what's your favorite Storm hairstyle? Oh, I like I like Eddie Storm. Yeah, like I, I like Mohawk. Mohawk Storm, like badass Storm. Yeah. Were you like me and just super excited when the trailers for X Men Apocalypse started coming out and you saw Mohawk Storm? Like, even if she's on the bad team, like you know she's going to defect the good guys, but she has the Mohawk. It's so rad. Here's the thing, though, is like I think, and I talked about this in the last episode. I don't think Storm has ever been portrayed okay in any other media, um, so I'm not really excited about her being in the movie. Like, maybe she'll be good, but like she's only really cool in the comics. I think she's really bad in the cartoon. I think she's been bad in the movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that. Um, what, what's the line that's so bad the, in the first movie yeah, the, about the toad? Yeah, the, what happens if a, a frog gets struck by lightning? The yeah. same thing as everything else, which yeah, is like, funny. you can't argue with it. It's technically <laughs> true. I just don't know why you said it out loud. Yeah, what happens to what happens to a frog when it rains? Same thing as everything else. Yeah, what happens to, what happens to a frog when, when it uh, you know is signed up for zero liability life insurance? Like it's just you know we can we can go through and say like it's it's really a tautology where. The thing that happens to the frog is what happens to the frog. We don't. We don't need the. We weren't assuming that anything was different about it, Storm. Um, but I, I just don't. I don't think Halle Berry's great in that role. Like I don't think she's a bad actress. I think that no. she just doesn't like. There's a, a kind of like a, a fierceness or an anger that she doesn't have. That would have been really cool. Well, there's there's also regality to the comic book Storm. Like even yeah. when even when um, she's because in the a period of time in the eighties and nineties, Storm doesn't have her powers, and it's still leading the X Men. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think that the, any of our the portrayals that we've seen in other media could really pull that off. Like Halle Berry probably couldn't pull that off without some really good writing behind her. Um, and when we see the this the scene that we saw earlier in the, in the series in the comic books when she confronts Callisto, like that's a badass scene. Like they they're, they yeah. they're, they don't have like fake plastic Nerf lightsabers. Like they have two daggers that they're going each other, at each other with. And I, yeah. and she's just such a badass. <clears throat> They're gonna fucking cut each other. 
you know it's a if you can go back and find that issue and i'll I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes to figure out exactly which issue that is um that's probably that's that's some really good work like just from straight hand-to-hand combat that's some really great stuff Mm -hmm. yeah so it is something i I mean i think i talked about a little bit the last time is that like cartoon storm is just funny to me i don't think that she's very cool it took me a long time to to realize that she was cool and badass um, because and we're going to get into this next episode. The reason why we're doing the spotlight on her is because uh, she had her Callisto fight, which w- was pretty badass. But she acts like an idiot in the next episode and is laughable. <laughs> like just like, there's a lot of just like I will make you a snowstorm, you know. Like it is. <laughs> she is. She's straight up silly in the next episode. And that was my that was my storm for so long until I eventually kind of figured it out. Um, you know who would be a good storm? Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce would, would Beyonce would probably kill it as a good storm. <laughs> like You're absolutely would, right. That would kill it. Like just like that is the the mix of regality and 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 fierceness that I want in a storm. Oh man, uh, I'm just now I'm just picturing like <clears> the <throat> storm dropping a whole album without telling Xavier about it. We're <laughs> yeah, just dropping a whole uh, sudden summer squall. There you go. Without telling yeah. anybody about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, California yeah. was saved from the drought today <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, and just uh, and just uh, you know, with a, with a bunch of like an entourage like of cool dancers. I think that's also that's always been one of my problems with Storm's power set too. Is that it's kind of like this force of nature thing, and once you get to a certain age and start understanding the way the world works, you're like, well, if you make it rain over here, that's going to fuck up a bunch of stuff over there. Like, I'm yeah. not trying to get like butterfly effect on you or anything, but. Either A, she could probably be using her powers for a lot better than shocking toads. Like, she could literally be saving countries from drought. Or B, she's yeah. just fucking up the weather so bad that it's causing this stuff. That's, she's that's probably not good. the reason why there are droughts. It's probably Storm. I, I, the, Because, uh, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about weather control technology. It might surprise <laughs> anyone to know. But I think we can make it rain now. I think that's a thing that can be done. But there's a reason why we don't. Um, you know, do it is it might have to do with it. Just like we don't fuck with the weather system. You yeah, know? You, sh- you should not. Fu- you know what the you know how you say storm in Spanish, Gary? How's that? El Nino. Oh, yeah. I fig- yeah. fucking figured it out. <laughs> she's yeah, she's the problem with the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason that have like crazy tornadoes touching down around here right now. It's all yeah, because of storm. It's, <clears throat> it's all because of storm. Um, she uh, she's also it doesn't help that me not liking her that much in the cartoon version, given that this is my least favorite outfit that she's ever had is like the white outfit with the the two lapel circles uh, oh man and those murphy brown shoulders <laughs> yeah real real shoulder patty like yeah, this is this is bad. my least favorite storm like and it sucks too because she used to be you know like mohawk storm is pretty stylish like it just looks like cool street clothes yeah yeah um, punk storm is is the best is the best storm by far um and you know something about her outfit because i'm this comes up later and it's in the show notes but i didn't realize and i think in this next episode is the first time we see it the little x things on her on her shoulders are like communicators yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like it's fucking star trek like what <laughs> and, so, and and not all the x-men have them is the weird thing because cyclops has one and gene gray has one i think but like gamma don't have one you know, like there, there's like Jubilee doesn't get one. Like a lot of the X Men just don't get communicators. But I mean, like if this was in 2003 instead of 1993, you know they'd only give cell phones to certain people, and Gambit would not be one of them. <laughs> they'd be like, Gambit, no, stay no, off the fucking phone. <laughs> you can't handle the dick pics that you get. Just like a near constant. <laughs> it's great. Just a constant flow of dick pics. Are they Gambits? Are they just random dicks that he's found on the internet? Yeah, Nobody knows. Just, like, just Google searching, you know, file type JPEG and just the word dick, and just like dick one dot JPEG, dick two dot JPEG. Gambit, dick why did you send me? Anthony Weiner's dick pig. It doesn't even make yeah. any sense. <laughs> oh, doesn't you know what I mean? What are you? Who are you? 
Get off my team. Um, Go be a villain. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I'm suspicious of you, um, as 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 people are in the next episode. So yeah, I think that I think that wraps Storm up pretty well. Yeah. And we're ready for um, episode number seven. Yeah, episode number seven, uh, XM one hundred seven, Slave Island. Original air date February thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, using special power preventing collars, Gambit, Storm, Jubilee, and a host of other mutants are made to work as slaves in Genosha in order to complete a dam which will power a Sentinel factory. Gambit manages to escape and frees the rest of the mutants to stage an escape attempt against the Sentinels. Um, and this is this is a cool episode. Um, not least of which because it has uh, one. It's based on a storyline I really like. Um, all the Genosha stuff is is based on a crossover that like objectively is probably bad, but is one that I read really early. It's like some of the first comic X Men comics I read, so I have a lot of affection for it. And that is the the Extinction Agenda. Um, and then two, it's just whenever you have a chance to fill out a crowd with mutants, and you can't just you know. Like what if what if a person had a dog for an arm? Morlock. Like if you can't just do that, then then I like it when they they get to fill out a crowd with notable faces, and they do that like crazy here. Yeah, in the first two minutes alone, I counted, and I may be le- I may be missing some, but uh, Mystique was in the background, and uh, mm-hmm. she was in like classic Mystique outfit too. She's like the the white you know dressing gown with the with the skull yes. belt. <laughs> like I love I it. love that skull belt so much. Oh, the skull belt so rad. Those tiny people. There's a uh, Rain who was from the New Mutants. I think that that's got to be that's Rain, a, right? No, it's Feral. Feral. Oh, yep. Shit. Yeah, that's uh, actually okay. X Force. Um, yeah. Man, I could not tell you the difference between Rain and Feral off the top of my head. I'm gonna have to go do some research on that. <laughs> it's weird though because they're like, so uh, Feral is uh, not not to like <laughs> explain to you, um, <laughs> but the uh, Feral is always like that. Uh, Rain can uh, is like a werewolf can turn back and forth and they're really different characters like feral is like uh really flirty and aggressive yeah and, and, and rain and, is and, much as uh, much the opposite and rain too. is like a catholic girl who has a lot mm-hmm. of religious hangouts because of our reverend craig her father who beat her and stuff for being a mutant uh so they're they're, they're very different but then there's also to complicate things feral has a sister named thorn who i i couldn't tell you the difference between like why there's a, a character named thorn who's exactly the same as feral um but yeah feral is mostly notable for like straight up uh, like flirting with Shatterstar to a degree that like just rubbing her butt on his crotch, <laughs> like and just like <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> like, and millions, uh, millions of furries were born. One hundred percent, because that chick has a tail. <laughs> they're, they're there, but for the grace of God, went I like because um, that that was right at the right time where any amount of rubbing a butt on a crotch was like that was it for me. That's all I needed. Uh, there's also a Thunderbolt of the original X-Men. Who, uh, yep. Yeah, pro- and problematic. And un- I'm glad they just reproduced him exactly like as he appears in the comic book. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're not even going to touch this one. This one's totally cannot be our fault because it's what you drew. <laughs> yeah, and, and, well, and then, the, then the comics did it, too, by just creating his brother, which had the same costume um, for, for a while. Yeah, I mean, I guess this could this could be his brother. This could be Thunderbird. Or this could be Thunderbolt or Thunderbird. I bet you it's supposed to be Thunderbolt, but this is already a recreation of the comics because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there, there's some, a bunch of x Force here. And uh, Sunfire is here. Um, it's a real international cast. Uh, and then uh, Northstar, we'll see Aurora later um, of Alpha Flight. And it's mm-hmm. kind of cool that they show up later on the show. Um, so they got they got kind of catfished by this 10% off coupon, <laughs> just like everybody else did. <laughs> uh, 
Dude, look, we can get we can get this hotel room for ten percent off. What's it cost? Ninety dollars? Yeah, yeah, we could save ten dollars if we go to Genosha right now. How, how much is the flight? Oh, four thousand dollars because it's in Africa. All right. Wait, why um, do they want us to wear our mutant outfits? Shouldn't we just go in plain clothes? <laughs> no, 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 no. Wear your outfits. We need to know, otherwise we can't redeem the coupon. Um, I also like the fact that, uh, and this brings up something about like just the, the superhero universe in general. Like, you hardly ever see a mutant out of their uniform. Like, even if no. they're not associated with a team, they still have a uniform and they still wear it on the rig. Like, they, yeah, they don't they do own like some them. Levi's. Yeah, there's there's a couple of, like spots where you get like casual Cyclops, which is just like Levi's and a T-shirt, but <laughs> it's it's pretty rare. Cash Cyclops. Uh, so so they uh, they're, essentially they're being made to uh, to build this dam. Um, and this guy kind of explains the rules, you know, uh, like, Hey, uh, if you, you know, we're going to let you use your powers to make the dam, but once you, you know, we can turn them, turn this collar on at any time. So don't do anything. Storm, when he was explaining, this was just kind of like playing Tetris or something, because as soon as the, like lets them free, she flies up and then immediately gets put down. (laughs) Because he just, it's a button. (laughs) Like, he just has to push a button to turn off all your powers. And you fly. Like, what a silly thing for you to do, Storm. Yeah, like, Um, you immediately go, like, 40 feet in the air after, ugh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And and the way she gets caught, so she lands in the water and tries to get out, and then, like, a a tendril, like, a mechanical tendril comes out, and it's a a sentinel. Surprise! Yeah, who who comes out of the water, which, like, what's he doing down there? Like, that river did not look that deep to me. Um, and, and there's a really good line in here. I want you to do your in your gamut voice. Where, oh yeah, uh, J- Jubilee we're, says something like, "I thought we were done with them." And Gamut replies, "He goes, uh, there's only more. There's always more gators in the bayou." <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, oh, it's yeah. so bad, it's so bad. Yeah. And um, at this point, I couldn't remember this dude's name. Uh, it's it's either Trask or uh, uh, it's Trask Hodge. or. Well, Hodge, yeah, Hodge, Hodge shows up, who is the lawyer. So Hodge is actually the villain of the, the comic arc that it's based on. Um, so Hodge does show up. Hodge is here. Uh, Trask is here. And the who's the other guy? It's not it's Kelly. Like, Senator Kelly is, is no longer here. So it's Trask, Hodge, and then uh, the leader. The leader, which... <laughs> <laughs> the way that guy dresses. <laughs> what are you doing? You don't have powers. Very extravagantly. Like, what? Are, what, are, what is this outfit? It's <laughs> <laughs> like a powered wig and like a... Like a a, a, a fuchsia, like fuchsia long coat. He he got kicked out of Renfair for being too ostentatious, Gary. <laughs> like they just couldn't handle him. <laughs> These colors didn't exist in those times. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Storm gets put in uh, solitary confinement in the box in the, in the box. sweat box, which is the worst mm-hmm. possible punishment for her, and causes her to go crazy. Which I guess explains her actions through the rest of the episode because she's ne- yeah. she never really comes out on top very well here. No. I don't think. Yeah, this is taking her down a peg after the whole mm-hmm. Callista thing. Um, the Blob shows up with another uh, cameo, which I appreciate. And uh, yeah, it's, I get like, somebody's starting a fire in the forest. I've, I must have glossed over this detail, but it's in the in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to find out who that is. Um, which, is, which is which is pretty good. Which is why it's in the notes. And then we yeah. we, we flash back to Xavier's outfit, or Xavier's mansion, and Wolverine just, just decided to show back up from Canada slash the Arctic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he's like missed me. It's it's pretty great. Like he's just like it's super super cash. And it's literally yeah. three seconds, and then we're right yeah. back to Genosha. <laughs> <laughs> they're keep they're keeping the pacing brisk, man. I think that yeah. I think the pacing of the show is brisker than this podcast. Yeah, one hundred percent. But the the podcast does take longer than the four episodes of the show. Um, that that is that is the case. 
Um, so Jubilee can pick pick a lock, and this this is another favorite scene of mine too, because the lock that she's picking is like this electro lock thing with these these four orange glowing uh, rectangles, and she just sticks a paper clip into one of the glowing like nodes <laughs> of light, and that's how yeah. she picks the lock. <laughs> It's real good. And I, th- I think her, I think her, she even says at some point, like, my friend taught me how to pick a lock. And I'm like, well, did your friend not tell you to go to Genosha for 10% discount on hotel rooms? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Listen to your friend. Um, so, so they, uh, they're getting ready to head out. The rest of the X-Men, Psych and Gene and, and Rogue are like, hey, they've been gone for a while. Let's head over to Genosha and see what's going on. And Xavier uh, calls Muir Island and we get our first, uh, appearance of Moira McTaggart, who is like the, like one of the principal X-Men supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Character is very important, and, and she'll actually tie in a little bit later into this episode as well, which yeah. is which is kind of a neat little story. To, like again, they, they they do these little seeds very very well. I mean, they did have like sixty years worth of comics to lean on to help them out, but mm-hmm. that's still the, the fact that they can do it at all is very impressive. Yep, I like it quite a bit. Um, so Jubilee attempts this breakout with because uh, she she breaks into that thing with the, the lockpick and gets a thing to turn off the collars, uh, but it doesn't work. And uh, when it's worth noting before, she's like, Gambit, I'm going to escape. And Gambit's like, why bother? Don't do it. Um, and uh, when they find out that the reason the collar didn't work or the machine is because she was sold out by another mutant. And she assumes it's Gambit. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Because uh, they're, they're planting these seeds of doubt. So it'll be like well, well into the second season. Like the Gambit as traitor thing is something they do for like most of the series. And uh, it's – they, they – I'm not going to say it's subtle, but it's they build it up <laughs> gradually. At the I mean, in, anybody that says the word share as much as he does is not subtle yeah. at all. <laughs> no, no. There's nothing subtle about Gambit. Like, you can, he wears very tight pants, and, like, you know at any given point where Magnetic North is, if you know what I mean. But, like, the, the, <laughs> like he, at the very least, it is uh, gradual. So <laughs> Only a real man can fill out those tights, am I right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Um, um, but this is where we're introduced to the leader, uh, oh, because yeah. uh, you know they've and the leader is kind of having a conversation with Trask, like we mentioned earlier. Hodge is there for whatever reason, and they have invented a new form of Sentinel called the Master Mold. And again, this is directly from the comic books, but this is basically yes. a self-replicating Sentinel. So it, it's a Sentinel that can make Sentinels because this is an MTV show, and they yeah, it just, <laughs> it's, you like Sentinels? Yeah, it's exhibit pimping out Sentinels. So, which yeah. come to think of it, I probably would actually pay to watch. That sounds pretty. The, good the uh the way when master mold shows up later in the uh the series it's one of my favorite episodes for dumb sentinels like so the, the sentinels act really stupid in that episode um they act pretty stupid in this one but they act like re- mega stupid when they finally you know destroy destroy them all um because there's another one where they actually go with they team up with magneto i think it happens at the end of the season um to fight more master molds because they're i guess they're multiple master molds um yeah, Gambit is getting uh, taken taken away, and he kind of uh, engineered this transfer because he was like, you know, I'm not their friends. Like they they don't even trust me. And you, you, you know, the the watcher is is kind of uh, not sure how genuine it is. Um, he throws all his cards in the air. Which uh, first of all, they let him keep his playing cards. Second of all, that somehow distracts two men with guns pointed at him <laughs> by like the pretty moving objects <laughs> enough to we can jump out of the back of the truck. Um, and then we are introduced to to Cable, who is like. The way that he's portrayed in the animated series is so influential to how I think about Cable. Um, Same. This is Here, me, me too. This is the me best. too. Yeah. This is just like I mean, the, his entire appearance is just insane for what we've seen so far. Like even compared to all of the crazy outfits, like his is uh, over the top in a way that is just delightful. And he does this thing where Gambit says like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "The Wild Man of Borneo." Like what? <laughs> what, what is, is this? that? <laughs> it's, I don't know. 
it, I mean, it, it is a thing. It's, it's a reference to like a pop culture thing that is before uh, our time and definitely before the time of like any kids who are watching this. 100%. Like, it is, it is a weird old-timey reference that makes no sense in this cartoon. So can I read, um, you, can I read you just a brief what this is? Yes. Uh, the Wild Men of Borneo, Wayno and Plutonor, were a pair of exceptionally... <laughs> <Plutonor>. <laughs> uh, were a pair of exceptionally strong dwarf brothers who were most famously associated with P.T. Barnum and his freak show exhibitions. And also, because this is Wikipedia, there's a little clarification at the top that says, For the Wild Man of Borneo, see Oofty Goofty... <laughs> And if you click on that, Oofty Goofty was the stage name of Leonard Borchardt, a sideshow performer who lived in San Francisco in the late 19th century. So I don't know what any of this stuff is. I certainly didn't know what it was in 1993. No, no. I don't know what this audience specific Oofty Goofty as well. Yeah, but from 1941. (laughs) Yeah, way way before, uh, check this out, way before the kids' time of anyone who's watching this, and arguably before Cable's time, because he is from the future. (laughs) This is is like him him referencing Gargantua and Pantagruel. (laughs) I'm Pantagruel. Oh, shit, that's great. Yeah, it's so good, though, and his music is really badass. Like, him and Bishop come off so well in the cartoon. Um, because whenever Bishop shows up and the like, that that uh, harmonica oh, shows up, like it's incredible. Um, so Gambit didn't betray them. Uh, G- uh, Cable gives him a key so he can unlock the collars, the mutant control collars. Um, but he's on his own business because uh, some weird thing that has nothing to do with Cable, where like the leader <laughs> promised him something and like. It, yeah, he was pretty, a he was a like a, a mercenary or something, which doesn't yeah. make very much sense for the leader before the leader. I guess he thought he was a mercenary for the leader when he thought the leader was going to be um, like a democratic leader. And I'm like, you know, democratic leaders don't have mercenaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, what does that have to do with Cable? <laughs> yeah. Let's not even get into that, all of that. The time travel, it, Scott it, Summers nonsense. It's like they just needed to put somebody in that role. But it's weird because they bring him back as like the Cable we we know and recognize later this is just the cable that's like there's nothing to indicate anything about him other than that he has guns and looks ridiculous um so gambit springs storm wolverine and uh cable is is in, in the fight and he blows up the master mold antenna and we get a big fight scene here as uh, jubilee frees the mutants with the little key and uh this is the cool thing where like yes they have a common enemy but like these are not x-men like these are just these people are not you know because uh, they're, they're trying to convince uh, blob not to kill anybody and he's like yeah right Mm-hmm. You know, like, of course I'm going to, like, I'm, I'm the blob. My rules are not your rules. You know, just because we have a common enemy doesn't mean that we're on the same page morally. And this is one of the, the this is one of those fight scenes that in every single episode, you get a big fight scene like this, which I really like, <clears throat> excuse me, that you get to see like all of these different mutant powers. And like you said, kind of at the beginning of the episode, like they're so well done. They're so well realized. Like this is mm-hmm. everything I could have wanted from like the blob picks a dude up and like throws him around like, um, North star. And, um, I can't remember his sister's Aurora. name, Aurora. Like they do that little thing in the sky and then punch a dude. Like that's, that's all yep. perfect. Like all this stuff is great. I love it. It, it is my favorite thing too. It's like something I always feel like not embarrassed, but like one of the big reasons why I like superhero movies and I keep, I will go watch like Marvel movies as long as they keep making them is I just want to watch people use superpowers. Um, like I, I'm, I'm unapologetically into it. It doesn't get boring for me. Um, and the cartoon does a good job of, of showing that off. I don't know why, but it has never gotten, gotten boring for me to watch that shit. 
my problem is I have a, a fetish for post credit sequences, and Marvel's oh, yeah. pretty much the only one that does that nowadays. <laughs> and, and they're always good. Um, <laughs> so Cable, Cable has his bone to pick with the leader, which, like, boy, yeah, now that I think about it, why is Cameron Hodge there? Because, like, he's, he's the principal antagonist in the comic version, but they're not really setting anything up for later, I don't think. Did they go back to Genosha in the series? I don't. I, I was trying to remember that, but I, I've only kind of. I watched the first three seasons, I think, um, mm-hmm. and then I haven't. I don't have. I don't think I've ever finished the series uh, altogether. Like I never got to like the new animation style before. So like that's. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't think they go to Genosha in the next three years. So who knows no. what they're trying to set up here? <laughs> they're, they're planning to at some point. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. So so Cable breaks in on the leader and, and kind of calls him off, calls him out rather, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually with this big fight that's going on, Storm destroys this dam because she's freaking pissed with this whole thing and floods the the city killing untold thousands and um destroying these sentinels and master mold and cable's fate is left up in the air as well as the leader and hodge i'm sure we'll be seeing that leader again um breakout character (laughs) yeah no doubt most best best dressed in its high school class (laughs) right up there with lindsey bluth and that other guy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so so that's the fight. They make they make it out. The, all the different mutants go their separate ways, and the X Men fly back to the X Men's home base. Yeah, and we didn't, find this, we, we didn't go into a lot of detail, but like Cyclops and Jean Grey finally get fed up with not being able to make a phone call to Genosha and like fly over there and they arrive in the nick of time, and then they finish the fight, and then everybody's flying back, and then they can't make a phone call to Xavier's home base, and Psych is like, yeah. why why can't anybody answer the damn phone for me today? He's getting all mad. Yeah, because yeah, Cyclops has been grumpy. Like the last three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Like grumpy psychos. <laughs> yeah, Gene is just telekinetically teasing, edging him all day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounding him with, with TK rods. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but when they get back, the, the school has been destroyed. Because um, the, these four episodes all lead directly into one another. Because with episode eight, uh, the unstoppable juggernaut, we're going to find out what happened. <clears throat> um, yeah, so this is uh, XM-108, The Unstoppable Juggernaut, uh, original air date March 6th, 1993. After the X-Men find the X-Mansion destroyed, Wolverine goes looking for the suspect, followed by Storm, Rogue, and Jubilee. While on the search, the team encounters an unstoppable villain, the Juggernaut. So yeah, I like this episode. It picks up um, immediately um, when the last one left off. In fact, it overlaps a little bit, which we did this, um, I believe, in the in the first episode of the podcast, too. There was a couple of episodes that kind of start before this last one ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a really great scene of Wolverine picking his teeth with his adamantium claws, <laughs> which... Very dangerous. There's a... Um, I just recently saw... teeth, I imagine. I... Well, I mean, like, yeah. and I, <laughs> There's a... An image I saw from like the Silver Age X Men, where Cyclops is cutting a slice of birthday cake for Gene with his <laughs> with his laser beam, and I'm like, dude, you uh, had to know that that's not going to work out. <laughs> there, there's a there's a thing that happens later in the series where Wolverine slices a chicken leg or turkey leg <laughs> off of, off with his claw with his claw that has been inside uh, Sabretooth a bunch, like, and 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 even when it wasn't inside Sabretooth, it was inside him because it comes out of his arm. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Good. Looking good forward stuff. to that. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the team arrives at the mansion and then they start trying to clear the rubble, trying to find stuff. Eventually, Cyclops makes his way down to, I think, what he calls it, the war room, which we haven't really talked about <laughs> it. And but this episode really brings home how much of a terrorist organization the X Men really is. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you have a war room is some fucking Al Qaeda shit. <laughs> like Even they haven't at this point they haven't done anything. <laughs> Like it's like they, like they they did all this prep, but we never see any of it built. Like it's really confusing in the cartoon whether the idea is that they've been active for years because everyone is acting like they just now heard of them. 
you know, like they're just showing up on news reports and everything. So like they did all of this prep, like the danger room, this gigantic underground complex, a war room, all of these things. And then just immediately went out and started losing fights. <laughs> like <laughs> it's very, very strange. What do you mean? The real world isn't the danger room. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't there like, you know, walls slowly getting, you know, cr- crawling on top of me and, and guns for no reason. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Danger Room is useless in this series. Um, so, yeah, yep, yep. So, so they're they're trying to find Xavier because they they fear he might be hurt. They find a message that Xavier has taken off, like he's pieced out. Um, and Wolverine's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go find him." And Cyclops is trying to keep control, and he can't. Uh, so eventually, he sends Storm, Rogue, and Jubilee after them to find the person, leaving me to wonder why what everyone else is doing. Like, what are Cyclops and Jean Grey doing? Like at this point. You know, like, is it not finding the person who destroyed the mansion is not a priority for the whole team? Or do they just not feel like animating that many people yet? Or I don't understand, but I I can only assume that they're getting built. They're getting, they're getting down and dirty with rebuilding the mansion. Right. I mean, that's 100%. (laughs) Like we, I've always wanted to try having sex in Wolverine's bed with a sense of smell. I'm sure that this, like, (laughs) I'm going to go defile that fucker's bed. (laughs) I dare you to leave again. We'll worry. The only go way fuck I can in your bed some more. <laughs> the only way I can go to sleep is if it's to his tears. So, uh. <laughs> oh shit, that is horrible. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, the girls, as it were, jet out in like a convertible because that didn't get destroyed. Yeah, like, or 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 may have already been on the Blackbird on the plane. Like they just took that, the convertible to Genosha with them. I don't I don't know what happened. They bought a new one. Um. Yeah, and so so they 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 head on out, and we uh, we cut to uh, they, they're split up, and we cut to Colossus, um, which is I, I just I love it being introduced to new characters in the show. Um, Colossus, who is hired, he's working construction for some reason, and he was hired to uh, destroy a building, and he does it using his mutant powers, uh, collapsing this building, um, almost onto Jubilee, and Wolverine saves her, and uh, and then everyone's super mad because he collapsed it wrong. Um, but his uh, Colossus is hilarious in this. His his uh, way over the top Russian accent, which has colored my perception of Colossus the entire time I've read anything about him. Like, duh. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> he's it's so bad, and like he introduces himself as Colossus. Like, yes. it's I not am even Colossus like from Russia. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly like it's like a fucking Borat routine. It's yeah. really yeah. <laughs> it's thick. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think we talked about it the last time we talked. But did you ever get around to watching Deadpool? Uh no, uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the, the, I, th- I think I will at some point, but I'm waiting for yeah. it to be in the cheap theaters. The uh, the the Colossus in Deadpool is a lot like this. Like he's like really? old, he's like old and Russian and like Deadpool. Come on, you know you cannot do that. We cannot let you do this. Like it's it's a pretty good straight man versus you know didn't, all the other stuff. Didn't we establish a goddamn Colossus in the the Fox X Men movies? Why isn't he that guy? Um, I have no idea. But I think, oh. no, 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 because uh, he shows up in the first movie, but he's only like there for like two or three seconds. Or maybe it was the second movie when they when they He's in the, the second, mansion. he's only in the second movie for a couple seconds, but he has kind of yeah. a part in the third one. Like he's, but, he does more stuff in the third one. But all of that, all of that timeline has been erased, man. That's oh, s- spoiler alerts for the movies, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> so Wolverine's still the same. I, but he, because right. he was the cattle. Let's, let's get into it, man. Let's get into okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Anyway, uh, Colossus in the cartoon is funny. He literally introduces himself as, I am Colossus from Russia, which is just amazing. The way power works is the least organic thing I've seen, where it just kind of like, it's the same way that, it's the same effect that Storm uses to put on her magic costume with lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossus does to grow a full foot taller. 
Like it doesn't like look natural or anything like that. He doesn't like grow. He just kind of like gets replaced by a taller version of himself. And and Rogue, having seen this, um, is just immediately like you can tell that she's been spending a lot of time with personal implements and not a lot of real boys because she is yeah. very excited at the sight of Colossus. She she's way way into it. Um, oh yeah, dude, yeah. But in the meantime, yeah. uh, Wolverine saves Jubilee and then very quickly determines through the process of jumping on Colossus back twice <laughs> <laughs> and like the piggyback formation and finally smells him and is like, oh, no, no, this isn't the dude that I tracked from the mansion. This isn't our guy. Yeah, I love that he's he's jumping on him just to get a close smell. Yeah. I mean, um, how do you smell people, Gary? <laughs> I guess and, that's and, true. I don't, and don't uh, tell me the answer is you don't because I know you do. <laughs> I know I do. It's just early and often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, low and lazy. Uh, so, so they eventually, you know, we think that that's just going to be it. But uh, they pick up the, the uh, Colossus runs off and he actually gets picked up for robbing a bank. Um, because everybody just assumes in this world of mutants that if somebody is strong, it has to be Colossus. Well, if, there are no if, somebody, if somebody's breaking the law, it's got to be a Russian, right? <laughs> That's 100% true. <laughs> um, but because Wolverine and Jubilee know he's innocent, they go off to track the real enemy. Yeah, and this is Storm and, and Rogue. Just, again, pulling some terrorist shit here. And there's a line in this that... I really I, I wrote down in the notes, and I don't I don't know how I don't know. So Rogue decides that the way they're going to do this is she's going to sneak in and distract the guard with her powers of flirtation, and Rogue, I guess Storm is going to go in and steal the key or whatever. So Rogue goes and t- starts talking to this guard on duty at the police station where they have taken Colossus, and at some point the the officer on duty says, "Well, you know what they say about us guys with cold hands," and then Rogue zaps him and knocks him out and. You never get to hear what they say. What do they say? <laughs> I don't know what they say about guys with cold hands. I don't. I don't want to type that into Google. I want you to tell me what <laughs> what they mean. <laughs> I imagine it means poor circulation and limp dicks. <laughs> like, like that's my guess. Like that's the only thing I can think of is like semi semi flaccids. It, it means I have a strong immunity to Viagra. That's all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, it means it takes a lot, but once I get going, it's still uh, not great. Like, and, um, it, yeah, it's, it's you know. It's, it, it, it's 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 like a like half a stretch Armstrong down there, and that's what I got going down. So, that's all that I have going down there. That's it. Yeah. That's all. You've seen um, it before. You don't want to see it again. So so they get there, and this is because there's just one jail. This is like the little county jail, but somehow Beast has never been transferred to prison or anything. Because no, and he he's even, still there. He even says, "I'm I'm waiting for my day in court." And I'm like, "Dog, that was six episodes ago." <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to stop Beast. <laughs> Uh, and again, just in, in Beast is a, just just a, such a douchebag in this series. Um, he, he's reading uh, Civil Disobedience. Yes, <laughs> Henry David Thoreau. Like they they very carefully wrote that on the cover, and I'm like, oh my god, dude. He's not- he's the kind of guy like he goes to coffee shops and stuff, and really wants you to know what he's reading. <laughs> like that's the Beast in the cartoon, like because he's that he's literally that in the cartoon. Uh, but Colossus also doesn't want to escape. Like they try to get him out and he's like, no, I can't, I can't do that. Cause it's not right. And you'd think like, why is that a problem? The X-Men continuously run into <laughs> where they try to break somebody out of jail, but the person doesn't want to like, what does that say about the X-Men's moral code code writ large? You know, that like, it is the weird outliers that don't want to just be immediately sprung from jail and escape due process. Well, like, and uh, it just, just rolling back to like training to be an X-Man. Well, mm. You've got the danger room. 
maybe you should talk about the procedure to post bail for one of your coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like kids who, who just went in, you know, just took, uh, just went into the army without going to high school and never did like home ex. So they don't know how to balance a checkbook and shit. They have to go to that reeducation class that you go to, like when you get out of prison or get out of boot camp. like life skills one Oh one. Oh man. It's the X-Men are terrorists, Gary. I'm, I'm really sad to say that, but they're fucking terrorists. It, it's, this it's is pretty bad. true. It is, um, it is, uh, is very true. So kind of um, apropos of nothing, like during this whole scene, they just flash back to a, not flashback, but they, they switch gears to Juggernaut just walking into a bank. Like I yep. kind of, as I was watching this episode, I kind of expected a big reveal because they were hiding it so well. Because he's not even in the sh- in the show until like the last 10 minutes. So I was kind of thinking yeah. like it would be a thing. But nope, they just smash cut and he's just walking through and like talking out loud to himself and laughing at his own jokes like super villains do. He, he's <laughs> a, like, I kind of like how Juggernaut, because all the villains we've dealt with so far have like an ideology and Juggernaut doesn't. Like he's just kind of like walks around smiling and goofing off and like making dumb puns. And that's it. Like that's the entirety <laughs> of what he does in a way that like I think that it would be tempting to do if you were literally invincible and could do whatever you want. You know, like just walking around doing whatever you want, saying whatever you want, not giving a shit. Like he, he probably farts in grocery stores like nothing. You know, like it is he this is this is Juggernaut is like pure id. Um, and I kind of like how he's portrayed here. Um, we, there, there ends up being a reason why he's robbing the bank, which is just to get Charles Xavier to come after him <laughs> because he, he's, he doesn't know how to scale up. A threat. Like he starts with destroying <laughs> Charles Xavier's house, then goes to a crime that Charles Xavier might have time to solve. And then immediately after this, it calls him on a cell phone and asks him if he's around. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. like, did, you, did you put these? Is this a William S. Burroughs cut up? Did you like take all these ideas and put them in a hat? Uh, <laughs> in your giant helmet? Um, uh, and there, there's a really great scene where uh, Juggernaut's walking out with two big bags of money, which is always like my favorite thing when criminals end up with a big bag of money with a dollar sign on them. Because, I like that, too. Like, number one, like nowadays, you can literally go to Amazon and get that. I learned that from the, the <laughs> feed Slack the other day. Somebody linked that. But like in 1993, Amazon wasn't a thing. Like He had to special order those. Um, <laughs> Screen and, printing. Like, in and house. Wolverine saves the day in a very atypical Wolverine way. Instead of just jumping in, claws out, you know, and ready to kick some ass, Wolverine sneaks behind Juggernaut, slashes open the dollar sign bags, picks up a bunch of money, hands it to Jubilee, and says, "Take that back." And then makes like a quip, like something like, "My he wrist, says my hand is my hand was quicker than his eye." Yeah. <laughs> and like, then, and then Jubilee says, "Here's a bunch of money. The rest is in an alley. No time to explain." And then uh, <laughs> continues on because, like, get like I. Something that I continuously scream while watching this, I don't scream it, but something I, in my mind I scream a lot is like, get organized, motherfuckers. Like, it is so like, why don't you guys stop and talk about what you're going to do for two goddamn seconds and you will make so much more sense than you actually do. Well, which actually will come up in a minute, and uh, I can't wait because Cyclops being Cyclops makes a real, like, shitty remark about that whole thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, Wolverine steals the money, and then um, Colossus shows up with the with Storm and Rogue, and there's a big fight. And we have seen earlier that during the first robbery, they had brought a tank out because that's what you do at a bank robbery. And they shot Juggernaut with a tank and he just literally shrugged that shit off. No problem. Yes. Colossus not seeing this, but seeing that there's a tank there, doesn't jump inside the tank to try to shoot him, picks the tank up and throws it at him. I assume the tank was out of ammo. So the same way you throw a gun after it's out. He's, He's playing super hot. Um, the, uh, and then uh, Juggernaut says, thank you, of course. At some point during this, he uh, he explains his powers, 
where he's like, I'm not a mutant, or because Colossus is like, a fellow mutant, why do you do this? <laughs> yeah, and, like, uh, typical fucking Rusky, like, hey, it should be for everybody, yes? yes. <laughs> I'm butchering a Russian accent right there, but roll with yeah, me. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Juggernaut's like, no, I'm, I'm magical, and they never explain it. Like in this in this thing, I'm pretty sure they don't actually like. We don't get into the crimson gem of Cytorak, Oh uh, in this. Man. Just imagine we, if we did, though. I I, I have I do the because uh, the, there's a thing I remember when X Men Three came out, um, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, Juggernaut's not a mutant," and I and my I was just like, "Really? Like, did you did you really want them to go into like a 15 minute vignette where they like <laughs> vignette where they explain the crimson gem of Cytorak? Like, are you out of your mind? It is way simpler just to say mutant. Like, why would that bother you? Out of all the things in this movie to bother you, why is that the one? You know, I didn't want it in the movie, but if they had done like a just maybe like an eight issue or excuse me, an eight episode series on Netflix to build us up to the movie, that that would have been nice. Just some backstory. <laughs> I, I would have appreciated, or yeah, or maybe something like a few like just like don't even stop there. Just like like the smaller books, like maybe you know twenty two pages long, but put out hundreds of them as kind of a prequel <laughs> for years. And then if you read those, you can get caught up and have all the backstory you need. So basically, like Star Wars, right? Yes. <laughs> until, until they threw out all of the uh, garbage extended universe crap. Yes. I I shouldn't say that it's garbage. I've literally never read any additional Star Wars material besides like the movies. So maybe maybe some of it's really good. I have no I idea. Be, I bet you you're right though. <clears throat> all I know is that there's a big Luke, and that's fucking yeah. hilarious to <laughs> big me. Big Luke and Luke and Luke. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um. So yeah. He explains that he's magic and not a mutant. Which um, is this the point where Rogue try to tries to like? No, it's it's here. Yeah, that's how they take him out or attempt to take him out. Ultimately, is that they they do their like the the way that people deal with Juggernaut is very similar in the comics. Like, you either convince Juggernaut not to want to fight anymore, like because he is he is unstoppable, or you do a thing where the the team does like a Rube Goldberg contraption to get his helmet off, and one of your psychics attacks him. Uh, so they do that where like Cyclops slashes at it and then, uh, like Storm or Rogue like fly up and take his helmet off and then Rogue touches his neck. And then this and, goes very bad for Rogue. Like he, she yes. starts absorbing some of his power and he's kind of laughing it off even at the time of like, you can't, I'm magic dog. Like you can't do that with me. Well, it, and, it absorbs his psyche though. Cause yeah, she gets this whole, like, his weird insecurity, like, his whole origin. Because at this point, I know why he's there because I know the comics, but the TV show has done a terrible idea job of, like, explaining Juggernaut at all. Like, if you don't actually go into this knowing who Juggernaut is, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so yeah. bad. Because all of a sudden, Rogue just starts spouting off stuff about my brother Xavier, and you're like, wait, what? They're brothers? Like, they don't explain any of this business mm. at all. Um and at some point, Gene shows up with, like, a portable Cerebro, like, because that's all of a sudden a thing. That's a thing, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then just, like, knocks him out. And he kind of just wakes up, like, where the fuck am I? Who are you? <laughs> and just, they erase his memory, which the ethical implications of that, like... Well, okay. I mean, that, honestly, that's probably the one fucking thing that Xavier has actually trained Gene Grey to do. Like, <laughs> that's... be unethical. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. erasing memories is kind of his bag. <laughs> like, that's his thing. That is true. Um... <laughs> So, so Cyclops, at least at this point, was like, hey, this is going to take, you know, like, if we had worked together, this wouldn't have happened, or we need to work together. Looks at Wolverine, which is good, because um, Wolverine deserves that. Uh, and then we go to the mansion where Colossus, like, as a thank you for getting him out of prison, decides to help them rebuild the mansion. And just kind of walks around being a cheerful goof. And I think they say something like, uh, you should join us. 
And he says, I can't do that because I want to see more of America first. Well, he says, I have to go find my sister and maybe travel America. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, which which is the priority there? (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, I need to go to Madame Tussaud's wax museum. (laughs) But also, my sister might be in hell. So I need to rescue her. Colossus thanking them for this entire situation is really weird because all of the X-Men did is make him a felon. Like, if he had just true. stayed in jail, he would have been proven innocent after the whole juggernaut thing was over with and just released on his own recognizance. Yep. Now he has been broken out of prison. <laughs> and he's thrown a tank. And he's thrown which, a tank. Which is which, not legal. I mean, I can only imagine there's many laws against that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's it. That's, that's our episode. episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, what what a great four episodes. That's this is, you, this is really good cuz the the first one's all set up and it's still impressive and, and it's good at laying out the stuff but like the best things about the X-Men are the weird shit. You know, these like weird little side tributaries. Like Genosha is weird and great. And and uh even Juggernaut is weird and great even though he's like ideologically not a very strong X-Men villain. Um he's still fun. And uh yeah, this is this is a really good mix of like batshit insane and legitimately pretty good. <laughs> I, I, oh man, I I don't even know what to say about this, Gary. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it goes in so many weird different places that like it just feels like home to me because I, I, I was reading the X Men comics when all of this stuff was happening, and like the stuff that's in the show is crazy, and the stuff that was in the comics was even crazier. Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those things where and that I did the same thing with the comics as I did with the show, which I didn't I wasn't able to get them consistently a lot, so. Mm-hmm. I would pick up a random episode of the TV show and just have no fucking clue as what's going on. And then the same thing would happen in the comics. And you would kind of, you would kind of do that thing where, like, you kind of get your own headcanon. Like, you kind of do that thing where you, when you play Dark Souls, you invent stories, backstories for all of the NPCs until you go to YouTube and pro- you're proven absolutely wrong. But mm-hmm. you, you do that thing where you fill it in yourself, and so the characters become all the more real. So, like, watching this stuff now when I'm a little older, like, I'm I just, it just feels like a, like a, like a comfortable, a comforter. Excuse me, like a, like a warm blanket. Yeah, yeah, it it does a really good. One of the things the functions of the show had that I haven't, didn't really think about is that when I was getting into the comics in the '90s, um, this is dealing with storyline stuff that predated me. You know, so like I would, it would maybe be like a year before Juggernaut would show up. I didn't know anything about him, and this was my exposure. Like I got to learn about Juggernaut, or like you get to learn about the Morlock stuff. And like I would read comics and they talk about Morlocks, but I didn't really know what their deal was. So the cartoon kind of acts as like a little bit of a libretto or a little like basic Cliff Notes version of a lot of these storylines. Um, and it's kind of like a guide almost, you know, they're really inaccurate. They're not very good guides, but in a pre kind of Wikipedia world, it was really helpful. They actually put out a, a book for a while that was uh, one page long, really detailed recaps of every issue of X-Men really? um, th- that I used to collect. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, here's, you know, here's like, you get one issue of this comic and it'd be like, here's really detailed what happened in the first 24 issues of X-Men like one whole page what was notable what characters had their first appearance um, and I collected that back in the day um, and that kind of helped with this stuff too but it's just like walking into something that's this thick with continuity it is uh, you really do kind of need something to break it down to a simpler dumber version and uh, the cartoon does a great job of that I think the uh, I opened up Marvel Unlimited which is a subscription service for Marvel comic books um, mm-hmm. First time I've opened it up in a couple of months, and uh, they've apparently updated it so that they actually do. If you search for a character, you can they'll do like a character moments thing. Like the, 
Um, the one I, I was researching Deadpool after I watched the movie, so it's like the first time Deadpool meets Cable, like the first time Deadpool does this, the first time Deadpool's introduced, and then seeing that, I was like, oh, they're just doing this for the movie, but you can look up a lot of characters, and it's really helpful for the X-Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you can go look up Nightcrawler, like the time Nightcrawler turned into a child of Satan, like the time that Nightcrawler was in Britain with Kitty Pryde, <laughs> like, you know, all these crazy weird stories, but you can just go right to those issues and just, you know, read them, so it's a pretty good it resource is- for this stuff. The Nightcrawler being a child of Satan thing is is pretty incredible. It's never it's, dealt with in the cartoons, so we'll never talk about the Draco. But like, it is the single worst. Uh, like, it's the comic worst. Yeah, yeah, it's the absolute worst. It's um, worth reading. It so bad. Like Chuck Austin's run on the comics. That's around when I got out of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, was then and, and a little. I stayed actually later than that because I got I read uh, like the Peter Milligan run and the um, the uh, Brubaker run uh, on X Men for a while. But the um, that was a writer like a little bit after that because it, it happened contemporaneously and right after the Grant Morris had run and like, boy, boy, oh boy, is that some misguided nonsense? <laughs> Ooh, I, I would actually it, kill for there to be a cartoon version of the Draco. So we could, we could talk about it. Oh man, it's so bad. It's yeah. I've, I've never actually read the comics. I've just done like, you know, the, the summaries and everything and hearing mm-hmm. other people talk about them. And wow. Just, I, yeah. It's it is one of those things where you look at it and it's like a car, it's like a, like a train wreck. Like I just want to know more about it. I know it's yeah. bad for me and I shouldn't, but I want to know more about it. It is uh it is it is really something. Really something. But if uh, uh if you as a listener out there want to know more about this podcast, where sh- where should they go? Where where should we tell them to go? Gary. Um you should so this is uh under the the Duckfeed presents um label, so you can find more information at duckfeed.tv. Uh, and you're going to find some of that stuff. There will be a, uh, you can talk to us about this stuff probably in the comics channel or movies and TV channel and maybe its own channel if there's enough popularity on Slack once this actually starts coming out. In full disclosure, we're recording episodes in advance to get some kind of under our belt before we start putting them out. Um, I think the current plan is to do this season but then make future seasons kind of contingent on Patreon stuff. Um, so I think that the idea is that we'll kind of keep like, we want to see whether people like this. So if you like this, you should let us know. And those are places to do it. Um, and hopefully you like it cause it's fun to do. And Gary mentioned the comics channel that's on, uh, Gary and Cole's Slack that they do for duckfeed.tv, which you can get access to by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and donating them a couple of dollars. They do this yeah, for basically a living. They record, I think at last count it was 757 podcasts per week. Yep. Um, so if you can just give them, you know, two three dollars, you know, yeah. a, a day, <laughs> two two, two uh, dollars does get you into the Slack. Does get you and in the Slack. Two dollars a month. <clears throat> slack is a real fun place. So it I, is I think an you'll extremely like fun place. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and this is this is a, a fun show to do. Hopefully you like it. Let us know. Um, yeah, you can uh, you can the best place to interact with me. The easiest place is on Twitter. Um, at Gary G A R Y B U H. And I am at JG Greer on Twitter, where you can also interact with me. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next time.
three, two, one. That sounded bang right. on on my side, so. Yeah, it did sound bang on. Bang on. <laughs> yeah, you went ham on that clap. Um, ham on clap. <laughs>